0: You made me rich. You made me who I am. Because without God, Abram's nothing. Welcome to the Men of Conviction podcast. Welcome to the Men of Conviction podcast. I'm your host, Cordell Nolan. This is a men's Bible study dedicated to helping you live life with purpose and intention. And we've been studying through Genesis. Uh, We've gotten through Noah and the, the great flood. And now we get to a section of Genesis where oftentimes as a younger man, as a kid, I would just kind of close the Bible and say, all right, this is too much. You know, we got through that section of, of Noah where we have the, the lineage um, and we went through that and then we get through lineage again, the table of nations here in chapter 10. So we're going to try to get through chapter 10 all the way to Sodom and Gomorrah, which is uh, in chapter uh, 19. Um, And so we'll probably stop midway somewhere in Sodom Sodom and Gomorrah um, because there's a lot that happens there uh, and a lot, uh, pun is intended there, with lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. So uh, I basically just want to start right here by saying like, hey, guys, I want to let you know again, layman reading the Bible with you, hopefully giving you an opportunity to crack the word of God, listen to it while you're on your commute, uh, just to study the word in the afternoon. And hopefully this encourages you to pick up this good book. So in these next few chapters, I'm not going to read everything word for word because I don't want to lose absolutely everybody from listenership, but I want to encourage you to read through some of this to kind of get some of your own insights and wisdom, and I may miss some things that are important to you that may jump out at you, and so scripture is the living word of God, and it's history. And so I think it's really important to study this history of these people and And as you can see that in history is that we're not so much different uh, than some of our ancestors were uh, many, many years ago, uh, about 8,000 years ago. Um, So you get through chapter 10. Uh, I'm going to summarize here for you. Essentially, you have the accounts of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Those are the sons of Noah, and it tells about their lineages, the the lineage of Japheth, the lineage of of Ham and of, of Shem. And then we get over to um, the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. So I'm not going to dive deeply into uh, chapter 10, into all the lineage of of the sons of Noah, but it's important because this is the lineage. uh, Some of this will be the lineage that's going to eventually lead to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, And so that's why it's very important. And I believe that that comes from Shem's line. Uh, Shem, who, um, who is in the lineage of Abraham. Uh, so we get to the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. Um, and now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And men moved eastward, and they found a plain in uh, Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we... That way uh, we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of, of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to the city in the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if, one pe- if, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So in other words, you have this one language for the Tower of Babel. So everyone's speaking the same language, and it's like what can they not accomplish as they speak the same language? They're in symmetry Basically, they're going to they're gonna turn over into their own evil ways. Uh, we, we saw that whenever uh, the, the earth was destroyed by the flood. And now we see it again that these men are saying, like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build this tower up towards the heavens, and there's nothing that we can't accomplish. And God said, you know what? This isn't good. They're going to just, you know, kind of self-destruct, so to speak. Then we get the account uh, from Shem to Abraham or Abram. Um, in, 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 later on in verse 11, so you have the line of Shem, uh, to Terah and Terah became the father of Abraham, nor in Haran and Haran became the father of Lot. So, um, that that's important because you have, you have Terah, the father of Abraham, uh, in Haran, uh, who is the father of Lot. So Lot and Abram are uncle nephew. That's their relationship to each other. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. All right, so then here we have in in chapter 12, we have uh, the Lord, our God, um, placing a call to Abram, telling him, hey, I have a I have a plan for you. So let's just kind of listen. Remember that God is using faithful people, just like he used Noah. Whenever you're faithful to him, when you're faithful to God's call in your life, it seems as though that the history is that He he's going to take care of you and he's going to bless you, regardless if you're perfect, regardless if you do everything right. Because I think to many accounts, Abram, He's not this holier than thou person. He's just like us. He has his flaws, and so what we'll see through some of these these next chapters with Abraham or Abram is where he did some things where you're like, wow, that's that's kind of interesting. I'm not sure if I'd have done that that way. So hopefully you stick around and listen to some of the things about about Abram, and then we'll get to some more of the the I guess the sultry things uh, in these verses. Uh, there's a lot more um, uh, sex uh, in these next chapters, and in the in the Bible in general, it talks a lot about sex. I think we have we have a an aversion to doing what's right. You know, God made Adam and Eve and performed that first marriage ceremony in Genesis chapter one, and we get far away from that as we have in our society today. And you'll see that it happened early on in Genesis um, with with some of the folks that lived in that era as well. Um, approximately 8,000 years ago. So the Lord said to Abram, leave your your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So he has this great promise that he gives to Abraham. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him and, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions that they accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem at this time. At that time the Canaanites were in the land the Lord appeared to Abraham or Abram and said to your offspring I will give this land so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the right on the east there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord then Abraham set out or Abram set out and continued toward the give. Okay. So we have, again, we have Abraham or Abram, I'm sorry, who, uh, is, uh, obedient, uh, to God. Um, he left, he left with Lot. The Lord didn't say, Hey, bring, bring Lot with you. And as you'll see, Lot causes him a little bit more, um, issues than he does, uh, blessings, but he says, leave your, leave your country, your people and your father's house and go to the land I will show you, this is what the Lord commanded him. It didn't say anything about bring Lot with you, but he did. He brought Lot with him, and mm-hmm. Lot, his nephew, causes him problems later, as you will see. But you see this, this this people, he brings them to this land where the Canaanites were settled. So imagine you going to some foreign country um, and God, being the God that he was then, to, to talk with you. He, we didn't have the Holy Spirit back then, but we had God that would come and talk with his people, but say, hey, this land's going to be yours. So you get sent into a foreign country, wherever it may be. Um, I don't know, Russia, Ukraine, Egypt. I don't know. You get settled there and there's people that live there They say, hey, this is going to be your nation. You build an altar to God and you say, hey, God, thank you in advance. So even though Ab- Abram wasn't all the way obedient and just leaving and going and 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 doing just as God directed him, he was obedient and did believe in God's faithfulness and promise that, Hey, you're going to make great nations through me. You're going to, you're going to take care of me and my bloodline. You, God told me, I believe it. So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to make, he's going to make him into a great nation. All right. Now verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this, this is his wife? Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will, I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maid servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why did you t- tell me she was your, uh, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So here you have Abram, who who he trusts God enough to go to the land of where the Canaanites lived, uh, to the land of Canaan, and he trusted God just enough to get there. But then when there was famine or troubles, like we oftentimes we trust God with the big promises, you know, like hey God, I want I want heaven, you know, like a, a guilty, right? Hey God, I want heaven, Heaven, just give me heaven. That's what I want. But in the meantime, there's these, these smaller, quote unquote, smaller things that we deal with on the way to our bigger promise, our, you know, our land of Canaan. Um, there's, there's smaller things that get in our way and famine was one of them. So I, I would, I would venture to guess that if our God says, Hey, I'm going to make you a great nation even if there was famine in the land that he was going to take care of and provide for abram but i mean the story is going to play out god knew the whole the whole scenario that abram was going to do this anyway but he goes on down and, and goes to egypt and he says hey this isn't my wife this is my sister which i believe sarah was his half sister according to some of the commentaries i read here but he's Doing this to deceive or be dishonest, because I guess he didn't believe in the sovereignty of God. He said, hey, you're going to make me a great nation. This is my wife. I want to make sure our lives are spared. I'm going to go and do a little protection myself. Like, God, I'm not going to step out and say, you know what? This is my wife. This is who I am. I'm your servant. I'm going to make sure and cover it up. There's no instructions that there are gods telling Abram, hey, make sure you go there and don't tell anybody that Sarai is your wife. Tell them that she's your sister. So, again, it just it reminds me of us. And that's who God uses all throughout the Bible is people just like us that that are not. Sometimes we're not always committed, fully committed, because we we get scared, we get timid of things of the world, what what will other people think of me? Or we get afraid for our own lives. You know, like what will happen to me if I say the truth? This is my wife. You know, Sarai, this is my wife. Um, You know, I believe in heterosexual marriage. What will people say to me or about me if I say that I believe that heterosexual marriage is the way that God designed it? Are we fearful of standing up for what we believe in, because we're scared of things that are temporary in on this life, right now. I feel that that speaks to me, and hopefully that speaks something to you. And I, I think it's really interesting too in this in this chapter um, twelve about how God and His sovereignty, even though, um, you know, Abram, he's not he's he's basically going there, and his wife is is taken up into um, the Pharaoh's palace. Um, uh, he has favors bestowed upon him you know he's given animals he's given sheep and cattle and donkeys and men servants and maid servants so he's given men and women servants and then whenever they kick him out he gets to take everything that he has with him so god in his in his sovereignty in in this time in this day and age where people i mean there were they were murderous they 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 took what they felt was theirs. They protected their own. They said, hey, you know what? Go on your way and take this stuff that you have. So so now in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 13, uh, in verse 2, it says, Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. So this is from his time over in Egypt. He's He's got a lot of livestock uh, and gold and silver and so this, this is who he's become. He's become a wealthy man. And so we'll jump down to verse 5. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and, and the herdsmen of Lot. And the Canaanites and Parasites were also living in the land at that time. So, so Abram said to Lot, let's, let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up, saw the whole plain of Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, towards Zar. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees a um, uh, mamer at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. And so you see here again, Abram in his great faith to the Lord, he builds another altar. So whenever the Lord gives him something, he's always giving praise to God. So you see that Abram was very faithful. And I think oftentimes that's the the biggest indicator is that the heart of Abram, the heart of these people was was seeking God. Although Abram's not perfect. He's moving around with his with his nephew. You know that gets that keeps him comfort and company. Uh, he's saying that his wife is his sister. What he's also doing is is that he's he's listening to God and he still gives praise and he still essentially is saying that God, you're the Lord of my life. And he's allowing God to orchestrate his steps and he believes in the sovereignty of God that all the great nations will come from him. And that verse kind of catches me off guard. It says, Your offspring like dust of the earth, so that if anyone can count the dust, if you can count all the dust, the particles of dust on the earth, then you can then your offspring could be counted. So the, Abraham is the father of many nations, and, and God is saying, like, hey, this is who you are going to be. You're going to have a great, you're going to be a great father or great um, grandfather, you're a father of many, 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 many descendants, Abram. And I find that very, very just interesting of of our role today. Are we men that are striving to be the father of many faithful followers of Jesus that look to him as Lord and Savior, or are we just trying to be, just exist in our world today? Or we just existing for what's temporary and in front of us, as opposed to following the will of our, our of our God. All right. So in in chapter fourteen, we have these kings. It seems like the king of um, King Kedor Lamor. Um, he was kind of the, the king dog, and they got in a fight because they all kind of answered to him. And in this fight, they what ends up happening, you know, Lot and Abram had separated because their men couldn't stay together. You know, here's here's Lot causing trouble. Um, but you have whenever they the, these kings go and they fight, uh, Lot who lived and resided in, in Sodom, which you know the men of Sodom were very wicked. Um, they captured Lot. Lot was still a a man that followed uh, God and longed for for God's heart. It seems in that he was following following God's will for his life other than he lived over in Sodom. Um, and, and that's where he was supposed to be apparently. But we have this happen, and then Abram gets word that, hey, my nephew has been taken hostage. So what happens? He gathers up 318 trained men that was born in his household. So all of his descendants, his 318 trained men, they go out and they defeat this king, this king that had kind of, you know, they fought in this valley, and, and he, they defeat him. So then uh, Mel Mel's, uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, he brought out bread and wine. Um, he was a priest of God Most High and blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, God Most High, by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand then Abram gave him a tenth of everything So we have Abram who defeated so again like I, I kind of mentioned earlier this kind of alludes to what I was saying earlier that these people weren't just all friendly right they're not friendly they're they they have territory they 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 fight for what's theirs they go fight for their their relatives if Abram's going to fight for his relatives there's no reason that the that the Egyptian pharaohs wouldn't have, you know, done harm or killed Abram as he had, you know, suspected. So people are hostile, but then there's also the good fortune of Abram when they gave him all the the additional blessings and riches. But then you have Abram who hears of his nephew Lot, that gets captured by this king, and he goes and he says, uh, Melchizedek. He's a king of Salem and he's also a high priest. Where many times that that's that's not. Acceptable. You couldn't be a a high priest and also a king uh, throughout the Bible, and so to be both was very unique. Um, And and it seems as though it points to being that, being like, uh, being Christ-like. It seems like this is a foreshadowing of 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 Christ coming later on. uh, This Melchizedek, and they bring out bread and wine. You know, the Lord's Supper. There's bread and wine again. That's in the Gospel later on. Uh, they bring out bread and wine here because they say, hey, you know what, Abram, this guy Abram, he goes and defeats this king. I mean, Abram's not a guy with armies and all this thing that apparently he has trained men, but I, I'm not sure that he's a king with a territory that has an uh, he's not King Abram, he's he's Abram, and this land's going to be given to him, and he has trained soldiers, and they go and defeat um, these kings that have, that have taken over Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and so... Then Abram gave a tenth of everything, and so he gives a tenth of everything to this king. He gives a tithe, and and to say, like, hey, this guy's praising Abram, Abram's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be charitable, too. I'm going to make sure and give a tenth of everything. Uh, then the king king of Sodom said to Abram, give, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself, but Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. God most high creator of heaven and earth and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of your sandal so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing, but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to enter Escol and Mamre. let them have their share. So let his men have their share, but I'm not going to take anything from you because I, I'm here by my God. My God is who provides for me. So then you have Abram being a little bit more, I guess, righteous and showing his character that he believes in the Almighty and powerful God and says, you know what? I'm not going to take things from you and saying, like, hey, you know what? You made me rich. You made me who I am. Because without God, Abram's nothing. Again, are we willing to deny our things or deny a gift from someone? Because, you know, that gift might have a little bit of. of Tarnishment on it, you know, it might come from a bad place, and a lot of times I think if we were to get that gift, we'd say, you know what, there's nothing wrong with the gift, (laughs) but sometimes that gift represents something more. You know, is is there times in our lives where we where we just say, you know what, you know, I'll, I'll I will accept these terms and conditions because it provides something else. I'll accept this this situation. I'll accept. I may not go as far as accept this schooling for my kids. Even though it it, it gets rid of God, I'll accept these circumstances, these situations, because it allows me to go to work. You know, I'll accept that my generations may not know God because all day they sit around and they learn about everything but God. But I'll accept it as good because, you know, it allows me to go to work and provide for my family. If only there were another solution, right? Well, there are other solutions out there for that, but that's just one example in our lives of where oftentimes where things will appear like, Hey, this is a good, it's a gift or it's, it's a part of our society, our culture. It's what everybody's doing. And so I should do it too, uh, or I should take this, but are we to stand and say, you know what? Here's what's more important. I just came here for my nephew. I came here for a lot. I'm taking him What my men have eaten, You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. But just give give my men their fair share and we're, we're out. You know, I don't need anything from you. And I think sometimes that's the attitude we should have is not looking for what we could get from the government, what we can get from the school system, what we can get from different entities from the state. But, hey, you know, God's given us what we have, whether it's much or whether it's little. And with that, we're to use that to honor God. All right, so we have, we have chapter 15. It's uh, God's covenant with Abraham. Uh, I find that this chapter is really interesting because of the great promises that God has given Abraham, but also the hardship that his family and his downline is going to face because of it. And so I'm going to read through this here for you. Um, and let's just read it together, so we can see the the challenge that Abram had, and also uh, what that would what the blessings that he's going to have. He had a blessing and a curse all in one. After this, the word of of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, "O Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Elzar of Damascus." And Abram said. You have given me no no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. Indeed, if indeed you can count them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of uh, Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged them arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated mistreated 400 years, but I will punish the nation. They serve as slaves and afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at an old, at a good old age in the fourth generation. Your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen and smoking fire pot with blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of uh, the great river, the Euphrates, the land of, and it's a lot of ites, uh, Hittites, Perizzites, Amorites, Canaanites, and left out some ites. But it's going to give all this land to your descendants. So here you have Abram because of his great faith. He believed that God, he's saying, hey, you know, God, I'm, one of my servants is going to get everything that I have. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to be a father of all these nations. And God takes him outside and says, look at the stars. So if you've ever been out in a dark place and looked at the stars and seen the, the stars pop almost, you see stars everywhere. If you ever get a chance to go out to somewhere where it's pitch black out in the countryside, it's a, it's just a great reminder of how big our God is. When you look up into the heavens and you see all the stars in our solar system, you know, other people think there's some other existence, but as I kind of alluded to in our last, uh, one of our last episodes about the, the James Webb telescope and, and, and more or less proving that there was nothing. And then there was something and everything expanded from that. And the Bible talks about the expanse. It seems that it correlates more to a God that created everything than it does to, some some, nothing short of miraculous evolution of mankind. But he says to Abram, go out here and look into this expanse and look at all the stars and all the stars that you can count. That will be your descendants, but they're going to have 400 years of wandering out of this land that is promised to them. And so you have, you know, Abram is, you know, believes in God, credits him as righteous because he believed God. Like, we are to believe in God. Abram had to believe God. God saying, hey, here's what's going to happen. And he believed him, and he credited credited him as righteous. And you, you think back to some of the other folks that we've, we've mentioned in the Bible. We have, you know, Adam, and he was told, like, hey, you can eat of anything but this tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We have, you know, some of his descendants who were good and bad. You know, you have Cain and Abel. Then you have Seth. So Seth's descendants were good. You have Cain, kills his brother Abel. And then you have Abram, who says, God says, hey, I'm I'm going to do this for you. And he believes him and credited as righteous. And you would think, man, if, if these other people could have just listened to God, like Noah did like Abram did, but that's the story of the Bible. That's the beauty of it is that we each get our own choice. We get our own free will to live out and do what God wills and intends for our life. And I want to encourage you to do just that. So I think we'll, we'll shut it off here because we've gone a little long today and I want to get to, to Sodom and Gomorrah. So you might have to check, tune in a little bit later this week and we'll get to Sodom and Gomorrah, but you just kind of see the story of Abram, the, the, the story, the ups and downs of Abram and his life and think about it, how reflect on that yourself of how it relates to your life. You know, how, how things um, relate in your life as it does to Abram being obedient to God, leaving your family. You're getting promised a land. You have a wife who's beautiful. I mean, the Bible says she's beautiful. I imagine she's knockout gorgeous, you know, on scale of one to 10, she's probably a 20, right? Uh, that funny math uh, that you can have there with that, but she's she's a gorgeous wife, and he, he and Abram believes he believes in God. He seems almost fearful of men, which doesn't seem far from us. Like, do we believe in God, but we're fearful of men? I'm fearful to say some of the same things that Cordell said here on the podcast today. You know about schools and and people's beliefs and. You know, like, do we fear God more than we fear man, or do we fear man more than we fear God? And I think sometimes Abram kind of fits in just like us. You know, like, hey, let's not tell these this king, this Pharaoh, that this is my this is my wife. Let's let's just. And then sometimes we do good and we say, hey, you know what? I don't want any gifts that come from you. I don't want any gifts. I, I, I all I want is what's mine, and that's it. Sometimes we're good. But sometimes we're just like Abram, where we're kind of sometimes you're like, God, surely, surely I'm not gonna be the father of many nations because I don't have any kids yet. And God says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to give you a kid. And he believed him, and God counted that as righteous. So we 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 are shown over and over again that our faith in God, our belief in God, we get we get to believe in God. Abram had to believe God. So here's his word. Um, I think they're they're maybe equally as tough, or maybe it might be almost tougher to believe the direct words from God, because so many people didn't uh, in that day, but Abram did, and and he was credited righteous as that. And I think that we today have the same opportunities to do what is right in the small things, the small things that God asks, asks us to do, to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that's missing in most of us guys and us men is because we, we gotten so far away from the truth of the Bible that we try to live our own lives and try to orchestrate what our own right and wrong and morality is without this book. And this book tells us all about it. I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced of this uh, as I study the word of God. So I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer. Um, and then, uh, we'll, we'll dive back into this later this week. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you did, Please like it. Uh, listen to the, all of the episodes if you can. It does help out on YouTube. Uh, I will share with you that that lately the ag- algorithm, as I, we've switched over to a Bible study, it's not showing um, these videos on men of conviction as often anymore. So I would encourage you to share it with whoever you can. Like, hey, here's a Bible study I've been listening to, uh, joining in. This is just a average guy reading the Bible, and, and it's an easy way for me to read on my commute or study the Word of God on my commute if you think that some of the things I have to say are, are beneficial. If you have some more insight that you want to share in the comments down below, please do that as well. Uh, I do read the comments, so I appreciate everyone who listens. And And let's let's go to to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this medium, this avenue, to share your Word, the Word of the Bible, this historical account of your people and how they listen to you and are credited as righteous. Help us to know what to do the right thing to not not take so much pride in our earthly possessions that we that we lose sight of our eternal our eternal lives and our eternal salvation and our mansions up in heaven with you, the Lord. Because sometimes I think we get it so confused, and, and and I may be the first one. Lord, forgive us whenever we put ourselves our wisdom ahead of you, and help us to turn our hearts and our minds towards you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this has been the Men of Conviction podcast. We'll catch you next time. We're out.